You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. Today, we have Josh Head from Emory. Josh is the keyboard player, third vocalist. He's an amazing drummer, a fascinating dude. I learned so much about Josh during this conversation, more than I've learned about him knowing him for almost 20 years. Uh... (laughs) What a fascinating story. You guys are going to hear all about it. I'm not going to delve into it. You can check out the episode and and, uh, see what I'm talking about. But you'll hear me, my shock, when I realize I didn't know any of this about him. So uh, Josh is currently quarantined, uh, working at a music venue called Numos, I believe, in Seattle. Is the one he's at, doing live sound, which they are closed because of all this uh, coronavirus stuff. And, uh, you know, I try to keep this stuff out of the intro because I like the show to be timeless. But shit's going crazy right now. Things are closed. So a lot of people have a lot of time, and we've been taking advantage and trying to do that. So big shout-out to Josh for coming on the episode. Um, we'll have him back again for a part two because he has a lot to say, and uh, it's super interesting. So uh, let's take care of some business. PeerPleasurePodcast.com is the website. PeerPleasurePod at gmail.com is the email. Shoot me some uh, guest ideas or uh, just say what's up. Love to hear that. Uh, definitely go check out the Patreon if you get a chance, and uh, let's talk about sponsors. We've got Your Button Guy uh, at Instagram. Uh, that's the one place I think is best to check out his stuff is on the Instagram. 
Uh, that's at, uh, at your button guy. He has amazing stuff. Uh, super fast turnaround. Got to me from Florida here in Portland in just a couple of days. Um, pretty amazing uh, on that turnaround. Check out Nick over at Thunderbolt Guitars uh, over in Detroit. Made me the custom guitar you guys have seen on my Instagram. A lot of people have sent me messages about it. Uh, go over and get yourself a neck or a guitar, some pickups. Definitely support him and that company. It's going to be huge. Uh, and Blackcraft Cult. We are sponsored by Blackcraft Cult. Uh, Bobby over at Blackcraft uh, is hooking us up with a lot of stuff from uh, Blackcraft for the show. And uh, really appreciate his support. He's also got a podcast as well. Um, and we will have him on in the future. He's uh, he's a really cool dude. Uh, you know, rags to riches story. And is doing great things down there in California and uh, in the merch world. So big shout out to Bobby. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Let's get into my conversation with Josh Head from Emory. What's happening? What's up, buddy? <laughs> How are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm fantastic. Just uh, enjoying the rain again. Oh, it was down. raining down there. It was raining here yesterday. It's, it's it's not raining now, but it looks like it might a little bit. But it's actually sunny out of here. That's wonderful. For some weird reason. <laughs> yeah. It was awful yesterday. It was crazy rain. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday sucked. And then, yeah, today it was nice all morning. Like I took my daughter out to to bash some RC cars around on a on a track, and then uh, nice. right when our batteries died, the uh, the rain rolled in. It's like, fuck. Yeah, that was good timing. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So you're still up in Seattle, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. How are you? How are you adjusting to this whole mess? Devin and I talked. Yeah, it's funny. I I talked to Toby on thursday yeah. and then i was like reva let's just do everybody and we'll release it all on the same day and see what happens so yeah we're gonna do that but i talked to so toby and i talked a lot about coronavirus and all this stuff and then Devin and i didn't even mention it <laughs> all yesterday and but i'm curious because you're doing live sound too right for a living up there when you're yes. not touring so yep you're in the thick of it right now What's, yeah yeah i'm my yeah i mean my job is just done until further notice you know that the, and then the, any type of event you know they're gonna wait that'll be the last thing to get going you know mm-hmm. um they're not gonna allow just you know and i don't work at a huge place but still a 650 cap venue so um yeah i mean there's i don't know when that's gonna happen so it's really weird uh but yeah it's interesting yeah. I mean, yet everyone in my work is like, we don't know, like our owners. I mean, we're pretty lucky 
guy who owns the building is uh who's also a part owner in the actual business side as well is a very wealthy um like multi-millionaire lawyer owns a bunch of buildings in seattle so I, we're not gonna there's no risk of the venue itself actually closing mm-hmm. um permanently anyway but you know if, at some point if it lasts long enough once unemployment runs out for people there people are gonna have to move on to do something you know like our production manager and GM and all of those types of people, you know, I'm in a pretty decent spot uh, where, um, I mean, eventually I'd have to, too, you know, a lot of my friends that are in the business and audio, uh, at least in the live aspect or in just any type of, you know, live production, whether that be tour managing or whatever, like, is it time to make, we got to just do a career switch. Like Mm -hmm. you can't just not do any work for, you know, six months like what what are we yeah what are they gonna do so my friend evan like tm's a big uh uh band called black violin i don't know uh-huh. if you've heard of them or not I have. but uh yeah so he's their tour manager and they play you know 1800 to like you know 3000 cap spaces so that's definitely not happening for a while Jeez. so he's in a little bit of a panic mode he's just like yeah i don't i mean i don't know what to do like what do I, he's done it for like, you know, like me, I've audio engineer for 10 years now. So yeah, yeah, what's the next thing? Do I apply? It's just more like considering like going back to some type of school, but then it's also like online school for something like that's work at home. So engineering, computer engineering, software engineering, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, there's also, the output of that is there's also 36 million people on unemployment in the U.S. right now. So at some point there'll be 36 million people looking for a job. Uh huh. So, so yeah, because the competition's going to be real, real stiff soon. Yeah. Or yeah. anything like that. Because all the stuff. I mean, all the. I was on unemployment for two weeks. I've never filed for unemployment in my life. And yeah, me neither. Finally, with the, our job closed down for two weeks, they said it was going to be for one week. It was for two weeks, and then they got the the lawyers to write up something that said we're essential and and demand that we come back, and that worked. So now yeah. we're back, and it's weird. So like my unemployment, I filled it out in the parking lot. Like they they told us we're going home for a week. I sat in the car in the parking lot and filled it out, and then it went through like right away, and I had no problems at all. And it was so weird because. It seems like everybody else did. Like, yeah, I have filed on, uh, I filled it out on a Thursday, I think it was. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, they said, you know, you made too much that week to get unemployment because I worked almost a full week. And then the next week I filed on Sunday and had a direct deposit by Tuesday. Yeah. And everyone's like freaking out about the unemployment thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it, it worked fine. I guess I just got lucky, which uh, I wish. Yes. It was different because I only claimed it for two weeks. People have been waiting months for money. Yeah, it's for us in Seattle anyway, maybe because of the amount of things that were closed all at the same time. The website was so flooded that the first five days, I I tried five days in a row, the website crashed every Mm -hmm. single day. Mm -hmm. Like literally, you wouldn't even load a page. Like you'd go there and just be like, like, a 404 error which means that the page doesn't exist but i'm like i know this this is like this unemployment page it does exist but you couldn't find it like yeah no you know so i finally got my unemployment to go through online 
at 3 a.m. like day six that I was unemployed. Wow. Just like it finally started loading pages. And I just sat up. Yeah, it literally took me from about midnight to three in the morning. Like every page took about 20 or 30 minutes to load. Um, it was, yeah, it was luckily their website auto saved. So like when it did crash and then I would get back, you know, partially, but some people are still having trouble, especially if you're self-employed. That's a thing here. A lot of friends that are that way, especially mm-hmm. if you're audio engineer, um, the self-employed unemployment has been so weird that almost in, in under normal circumstances, almost everyone that's self-employed would just be automatically denied. Mm-hmm. But they changed the laws to be like, okay, you're going to get approved. But the website, the actual programming, the backbone of the servers or whatever, doesn't allow for that option. So you have to get someone on the phone. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have millions of people trying to get people on the phone or hundreds of thousands in Seattle or whatever it is. So you literally call, wait on hold. My buddy Brian's called and was on hold for four hours and the system just hung up on it. Oh, my God. And that's very common in Seattle. People being on hold for like all day. Call at seven in the morning, stick a earpiece in, go about your day, and just wait and wait and wait and wait. And then around 2 p.m., you might get someone to answer the phone. Like, <sighs> so that's the issue we're having in Seattle is that it's just, it's not that it, when it does work, it's working great. Like, I got it. It's working great. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the actual issue of getting it to work. And especially if you're in one of the gray areas that with the new, um, you know, stimulus, the laws are doing for the stimulus is like, you will get approved. You just have to get someone to actually, I don't know, hit the green approve button, you know, on your file or something like that, you know, cause the yeah. website itself is just, yeah. When I applied, I applied on the website, they approved me. I got a letter in the mail two days later that later that said I was denied. And then literally two hours after I opened that mail, I had a direct deposit in my bank account for unemployment. Wow. So even the system itself doesn't even know what's going on. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's crazy. I was like, well, how did I get denied? And then literally I got a not- notification on my phone for my bank app, direct deposit of, you know, X amount. And I looked at it and it was from unemployment. I was like, wait, what? Wow. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy up here. Yeah, that's I got the like the extra six hundred dollars too. Like that came yeah like two weeks later on a random day, just deposited. That's what mine did too. Yeah. yeah, so you're getting so you're getting the full deal. You're getting unemployment getting the and the thing, six. Yeah, yeah. Are you so I'm almost more making, now? <laughs> no, no, I'm not making more. I'm almost making as much as I would normally because uh-huh. I'm I'm a technically for the year. So the way that it works for at least for my field is I'm technically a part time employee um, where I work. But this is the busy season. So right now I'd be working five, six, sometimes seven days a week. You mm-hmm. know, uh, So I'm making less, but it's really close. It averages to be for the year. It's what I averagely average make monthly right now. It might be a couple hundred dollars a month less actually, but it's not, it's not bad. It's way better than I, I got approved for like $400. I'd normally be getting 400 bucks a week. So uh-huh. like, $1,600 a month is what I would without the extra 600. So it's almost, yeah. a, you know, it's right around a thousand a week, which is, you know, it's great. That's awesome. Well, but that eventually that runs out. Uh-huh. And, and for my field, that's going to be like, what, December, our place, will be, October, if we're lucky, maybe the summer, if they find a vaccine, oh you know, God. I don't know. Like, But my empl- unemployment runs out four months. I only got approved for four months total. So I don't know what will happen after that. I'll definitely not be, I don't foresee being back mixing live sounds in, uh-huh. in four months. So I don't know if they're going to extend that for certain business types that are still have to be closed, you know? Yeah. So I'm not sure, but right now I'm just uh, trying to uh, do whatever I can to stay busy. I don't know if 
didn't, yeah, I mean, I, a month before at three weeks before this all happened, me and two of my very good friends, business partners, we signed a lease on a bar. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. So perfect timing. So oh that's my God, Josh. I know. Insane. I'm there. <laughs> I'm literally insane. standing at, we just, you called me on our way back from home Depot. So I was just like, um, yeah, we're sitting here just going, well, I have time to work on the bar now. So that's the only positive to this whole thing. Wow. So you guys, are we don't know if we'll ever be allowed to be open. Oh, gee, yeah. All of my, yeah, all the money we have is going into this. So, uh, so we'll see, hopefully we get to open, but luckily it's a two, it's a pretty good little spot. It's a bar. It's, it's pretty big. We split it in half and are making a little like 80 cap, hundred cap, uh, event space venue on one side, Okay. two entrances and then a similar hundred cap, 80 cap little bar on the other side. And, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. We've uh, got a place. It's really funny. We, it's the, uh, um, it's a place that we thought was a bar and restaurant before. So we thought it'd be pretty turnkey, but after we started like getting into the bones, it's just everything is bad. We ended up gutting the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. So it's a full, it's a full deal. It's really, it'll be this very same layout, like where the bar's at. We're not like moving walls. We just have to redo it all because none of it was done right. It was like rotting, like just really terrible uh, craftsmanship. So we're yeah. just trying to make it better. But uh, yeah, it's a really crazy to think about that we thought all right this is gonna be fun we were like we were all stressed about having free time uh to do the bar now we have it but now we're like well might not get to open so but we're just like we gotta finish it yeah so we have got a five-year lease so we're gonna have to try to do something wow Um, dude that's insane are you gonna do so in washington do you have to have food where you serve alcohol yes oh yeah okay so you're gonna do food like well you don't have to but it's a different liquor license and it's way more expensive okay. to not serve food so yeah we are serving food okay so you yeah. think you could maybe open and do takeout food right yeah in the meantime? yeah yeah if we get a kitchen we're gonna just rent the kitchen we're gonna finish it and then get we have a couple different friends who uh a couple buddies that have uh some spots one of our friends runs a food truck up here um and he's looking for a, like a brick and mortar so he's interested in renting it so if he rents it then yeah we'll do that oh cool okay. for sure so we can do that yeah and then and they're doing crazy things they're like you can take booze to go from bars that have food like you can go to the Whoa. a bar that has like get a slice of pizza there's a pizza place next door to us get a slice of pizza and walk out with the beer <laughs> like to go take it to your house Perfect. you're not supposed to drink it on the way to your house but like yeah you know, whatever so they're doing they're kind of lifting some of these weird laws you know that mm-hmm. um uh these little archaic you know uh, uh prohibition laws that are still on the books in washington yeah you know it's more a little more like whatever you know reno and vegas and what other cities uh not nashville but uh memphis you know where you can just open carry uh booze around so yeah that's basically what they're doing like you can go to this mexican restaurant by our bar and order tacos and margaritas and they give you the margarita mix in cups and then a bottle of uh of tequila and you just come take it all home with you <laughs> yeah it's crazy it's awesome oh, but it's awesome God. yeah so, so yeah we go over there on lunch and get some food and bring it back and mix our own margaritas at our bar while we're yeah. working <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so <laughs> dude okay so that's this is this is all good stuff we get like the the bar thing that's awesome Do, so we had you remember uh 
maybe you don't maybe, maybe you do but when you played in portland back in that like off the question right those days mm-hmm. like there i was working at that club called loveland and yeah okay so we had a kitchen and we you know had a sandwich shop during the day that people okay. would come yeah. around it was an industrial area so people that worked in there would come grab a sandwich or coffee uh in the daytime from like 11 to 3 or something like that and then we'd have you know shows at night and yeah. and bands would play and you know get meal tickets and then people would buy sandwiches or uh cheesesteaks or burgers whatever easy stuff but then mike the owner rented it the kitchen out in the early early morning hours to a vegan uh donut company to come in and bake all their donuts and do their stuff and then or or fry whatever they did um yeah it was their prep kitchen and they would pay to have it from like you know four in the morning till eight or something like that and we never saw them because they were out before we even got there oh, cool but it was another way to like generate revenue, um, yeah. Like an off-hours company like that. Like donuts are always super early in the morning or yeah, late at night, yeah. and then totally there's no overlap. It was killer. Like it made good money too from it. Like they paid good money to use it. Yeah, that's a that's another option. We thought that's our friend who has a food truck. He currently rents a, a spot um, down just south of the city, down by like the industrial area like baseball but down by the stadiums and stuff so, mm-hmm. so he yeah we like well you could he's like well if i rented this i could also move my prep kitchen here and so we'd get a little extra money um for that which would be nice uh that was kind of the plan before and then this all you know covid happened so now everything's just like well we don't know <laughs> we don't yeah. know yeah. if anyone's gonna be interested it's like i don't know you know the thing the neighborhood we moved into is a neighborhood where the the end uh, they're redoing the basketball slash hockey uh, stadium so mm-hmm. which is why we picked this neighborhood because we get we get the nhl here in the next season if yeah. also if that happens that's why that was the plan so so yeah i mean and then con- same thing that's key arena so concerts you know they redid it to do like to turn it from a you know fourteen thousand seat spot to an eighteen thousand seat uh concert venue to compete mm-hmm. with tacoma dome and get more big shows in the city wow so that was our our idea was we'll be in here a year and a half before that thing is finished and you know the neighborhood is not super busy but it used to be back when the sonics were here Uh uh-huh so like well banking on that and now so now we're like well (laughs) no idea just the timing everything just went right out the window everything you have went went away Exactly, and I'm laughing because it's just absurd, and not that it's funny, but like, no, it is. I know it's funny. We think it's very funny. Like, no, I don't know. I mean, who knows? In a year from now, might all you know, who knows? Filing for bankruptcy, we have no idea. It's just like, or it's everything would be fine, and then we it'll be a blessing where because we the three of us had the time now to actually build the bar, and we don't have to hire as many people to do it. So, um, so that's like the the give and take, the one positive we've been able to uh take from it is that we can just spend the time and really make it right so yeah man if there's an if yeah there's just so so many so many roadblocks to of ways to try to monetize <laughs> these things like yeah what about so how did you get into doing live sound like did, how did you go from from like emory was kind of a full-time gig there for a while and then all of a sudden you're doing live sound for a, a really good venue in washington in seattle so yeah i did um i started doing live sound in like high school like at church 
Oh, okay. And then I went to school. I went to college for live sound for for audio engineering it, it, up here at a small community college called Shoreline. But that's where like Aaron Sprinkle went for mm-hmm. audio engineering, and lots of got people that is a it was a really great like really like well renowned like audio engineering program. You know, it was really the only one in the state at the time. I think UW had one at the time. This is like in 1999. Uh, I think they had one, but it wasn't very extensive. It was like new to you, but. Uh, uh, Shoreline is like a trade school. It had like a mo- like a mechan- mechanic program and like and a really good like music program, music theory and and stuff like that. And then an audio engineering program. So I did that, and that's uh, I did that, and then and that's all kind of leads into like got a job at Guitar Center, and then that's how I met Matt and Joel, and then I recorded the first Emory EP, you know, in my basement at the house I lived at in Seattle and Ballard. I didn't know this. Yeah, the very first uh, EP was recorded there, um, and then, yeah, and then yeah, obviously the band took off. But I and I hadn't done live sound, did yeah, and for I mean in forever. So okay, and then, so it's kind of a fallback for you then. Yeah, just like yeah, we started slowing down on tour. I did some like, I mean, I was an electrician out of high school, and my brother owns the electrical company, so I was doing electrical work here and there. Um, but I, uh, just like when we were like you know we'd be home i mean you know touring and like you tour a lot and then you can't really get like a real job unless it's really cool and they let you leave you know it's Uh like so i just like basically doing side jobs like you know when i'd be home from tour for you know two weeks to a couple months at a time and then when it really slowed down when i was like finally realized oh i'm gonna be home for three months like four months Uh um is when i started and then yeah i'd lived a few blocks away from that venue and a friend of our friend of mine was the production manager there and i just like emailed her one day i was like hey you guys looking for audio engineers and she was like actually we are and so i was like cool let me come in and then i went in one day met one of the dudes that shadowed him for a show and he was like yeah you 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 got it you got the job and i was like okay and that was yeah eight years ago i just kind of and I've got back into doing re- records and st- I was like really burnt on studio recording for such a long time. Um, I, I feel like I just love like the visceralness of live sound. Like it's just, mm-hmm. you have to do it. And then it, for me also, my biggest problem with engineering uh, bands is that or getting paid to do it or whatever. It's like, if I get some music that I don't like or a band that I don't, that I, if I'm not into their music, I just don't, I never felt like, I cared and they're like, I don't know if that guitar sounds good or not. Cause I think your music is terrible, you know, like, or I'm just not, or I'm just not into it. It's just like, this is not my style. So yeah. it just became so hard to like, uh, it was just became mentally for me, uh, exhausting to like really put effort into, you know, some people can do that. They can like very, be very analytical. Like, yeah. I'm just going to get this. They like, they don't care what the music sounds like. They're just all about, but for me, it was so much more of, and then the live sound is fun. And then if I don't think your band's no good, you play for 30, 40 minutes and then you're done. And I don't have to listen to you yeah. ever again. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> you're gone. And luckily I work at a good enough size venue to where we do get so many good bands. Oh yeah, you do. And I've been able to discover like, I mean, I've like, I mixed, I mean, I've done some shows that are, you know, mixed Angel Olsen for 50 people solo, like wow. seven years ago. Uh, Nathaniel Ratliff, downstairs we have a smaller 220 cab venue in the basement of our spot makes all these people nick waterhouse down there uh sam evian nick Akeem, like all of these 
amazing arts that I never would have heard of otherwise. Like mm-hmm. that were just like, we get a lot of like K the smaller, even the larger, like bands that play on KEXP, they have a good relationship with them. So we get these artists that I never would have heard of or, or would have gotten into much, much later. So, um, so that's been really fun for me. It's like, you know, showing up for a sound check and starting the soundtrack this band and just being like blown away, being like, Oh dude, this is so good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been very fun to like, it feels like almost like when, you know, we get first get into music, like whether that's junior high or high school or whatever that is for people, like how you're just like, you want to eat up so much music. You're just like trying, you're just so stoked on finding new things. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's this way with you, but I felt for so long that I never listened, you know, touring and, for so many years never cared about trying to find new bands i was like i just kind of liked the bands that i liked and felt like it was exhausting to try to find new music so doing this is definitely uh and i you know I, i'm gonna keep doing it. i love it so even yeah. if this bar opens and takes off and i don't need i mean i'm still gonna do live sound so i, I think it's great and i love working there it's a great venue and the staff's amazing so yeah it's sure. been really good to us we played a show there and they we're gonna allow and they let us practice there and like they would let us if we ever wanted to do a live record or something they would just let me have the room for a dark day you know or like whatever like they're really really great uh to me and to the rest of the staff and stuff so i'm um i'm hoping it's not closed for too much longer yeah well you know what that's a that's a, i don't know how this would work but uh, that band um code orange did that full set like empty venue yeah. Full set that I mean, if there was a way to do the six feet thing, you yeah. you guys could do that. Yeah. At at the venue. Like or you know, like or even maybe there's a maybe that's a way they could they could monetize a little bit is uh, do something like that, like where they host things like that. Like if you have a, a three piece band, like to say the stage is big enough for a, a three or four piece to maintain that distance, yeah. do like an empty uh deal i'm trying to think who i've seen there well i was living in seattle for like two years i saw isis for sure uh and that was an amazing show with uh god it was isis and uh torch and um thrones and then uh dredge dredge was amazing there yeah dredge just really good we played one or two shows with them back in the day, just weird off shows. So did we. We played like that's my first shows with Portugal was the the one, these two sold out shows in Santa Cruz where they played uh, an album both nights in its entirety, and then um, yeah, that's how that all started. Feels <laughs> awesome, dude. So the, you know another thing that's happening uh, right now with all this shit is with podcasting is podcasts are like going off the charts with content, like because yeah. everyone's home. But listenership is down by like twenty percent because no one has a commute anymore. It's so right. weird. But yeah, there's a lot of friends of mine that are they're taking on podcasts um, and editing and mixing them. That might be something to do. Um, yeah, I would, on your side. I would. Yeah, I would. I would do that. I mean, yeah, I, I would do that. I'm, there's, I've, yeah, I've been like I said, I've been getting back into mixing. Mm-hmm. I did a couple. I mixed two friends records last three friends two or three records last year doing one right now um my buddy you probably do you know cody bottolato yeah brother yeah so his i've I've mixed his last i'm mixing his solo stuff jr slayer jr slayer he's supposed to come on the show we've emailed back Uh, and forth about 17 times 
And then he'll yeah. just go dark and then come back like six months I'll later. Hey, man, let's do it. Okay. I'll make fun of him. He'll, he'll call you. Yeah. Good. Because he, uh, yeah. He's the best. I've had Jordan and Jordan and Johnny both on the show. And, and I reached out to Cody before any of them, I think. And we've just yeah. been kind of playing tag. So you did the last the last Jerry Slayer release? Yep. It's, yeah, I mixed everything, all the songs but one. And then I mastered the whole record. Dude, also. it sounds great. He sent oh, it to me you. early, uh, and I I played it at where I had a big like I have a big Bluetooth like, which doesn't do anybody justice, but it sounded really damn good. And I you know I played it in headphones, of course. Yeah, I think that I think his stuff's good. I'm doing his new record right now, and I think it's even uh, I I think the recording, at least the source material is even better. Sound. I mean, it's great. I, he's his the guys he's getting to play with them down there. I know a couple of them. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's he's really good man he's be, he's becoming such a, a a good complete songwriter like i really really like his music um yeah it's so i'm so i'm yeah i've been doing that and then i've also that's really funny i mixed his and then i missed his older brother sonny's uh-huh. oldest son Perrin, who's the oldest and he's 22 years old um he's a he's a friend here in seattle i'm mixing his band's record um they're called karoshi i think they have a band camp it's really good like garage indie punk rock you should check him out if you're looking for like i mean it's i will he's a talent i mean i've heard his first little ep he sent me when he was like 19 and i was like you've got to be kidding me of course this <laughs> model auto kid is unbelievable like of their course. family is just insane it's just like fuck like he's, yeah it's so good that's insane because so sunny was in waxwing wasn't he no that's uh, uh rocky rocky's in waxwing rocky and sunny's band was called um uh, thunder means okay because I knew, like, going through that whole lineage, Sonny was in there, so I couldn't remember yeah. which band. Well, I thought it was Waxwing, but, yeah, Rocky. That was Rocky and Cody, right? Yeah, Rocky and Cody, and, and then uh, and then Rudy, who was, Rudy you know, Adjahar. the drummer. Yeah, who was the drummer in um, Gatsby's. Uh-huh. Who's one of the sweetest. And then, of course, Rudy's brother, because Rudy's brother is the drummer in Blood Brothers. Yes. It's so incestuous <laughs> stuff. families, dude. They're insane. <laughs> yeah. So did you grow yeah, up Mark. in Seattle then? I did. Yeah, I grew up. I grew up south, east of Seattle, um, in a really small town called Wilkeson. It's four hundred people. I've never even heard of it, and I've spent a lot no, of time up there. You did you hear of Enumclaw when you lived up here? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so Enumclaw was the big city from where I. That's the next. That's where the grocery store is at. <laughs> from where my town was. That's like the Enumclaw, big city. Farm. That's like you know, there's just farms out there, but you know, it's like I don't know. Enumclaw is probably five. Thousand, ten thousand, uh-huh. maybe has to be close That's the to big, that. yeah. But Wilkeson being four hundred people is only an hour and a half drive from downtown Seattle. So, what's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on their 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June, and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. EagleVision.com for more info on that. 
and just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at EqualVision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. 
Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So, so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of, of that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. It's not like it's 50 some miles, like almost just, just under 60 miles. I think, mm -hmm. uh, to see like my dad worked eventually down at like SeaTac airport when we were growing up, but okay. uh, so it's not like, it's like living in the middle of Iowa remote. It's just like out in the mountains and then my parents are hippies. So even though I, yeah, I mean, I kind of grew up weird. I didn't have electricity or telephone until I was 14. What? You know, I homeschooled till I went to college. <laughs> what? Like, stuff I didn't like know that. any yeah. of this. You didn't know any of that? No. We never talked about that back in the day. No, we never did. It was always talking about, you know, what's coming up next or, you know, yeah. it was all, it was things were on the rise. So we weren't focusing back on where That's things. True. Yeah, maybe. Tell me about this. Yeah, you grew people up. People never believe me when I tell you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, my, I don't know. Just, yeah. So my parents, my dad, it's really a long, kind of a long, but a cool story. Like my dad, just a hippie, you know born in 49 lived in venice beach in the 70s you know like that kind of thing moved back he's from the tri-cities moved back western washington and he's actually trying to throw a party the my parents i think were living either in seattle or renton at the time and he wanted to throw a party my dad was at this time like growing weed and like oh yeah just full-on hippie but um wanted to throw a party somewhere and some through the grapevine some friends heard about a guy who had this land this piece of property out in Wilkinson so my dad went out there and at this time where this is at you understand that almost all the land that surrounds Wilkinson is either National Park or it's Weyerhaeuser which okay. is the big yeah, yeah, yeah. logging company if people that are going to hear this like it's the biggest logging company in western Washington like they basically so it's just unused land and at the time, it was before they had cut down old growth timber out there. So basically, it was like living in the middle of the redwoods, just massive trees, apparently. It got cut down before I was born. But my dad just went out there and was like blown away by how beautiful this land is. There's like a, a lake on the property. This is 85-acre property in the middle of the woods. And a little shack, like a literally a plywood, tin roof, two-room shack with a stove for heat, no electricity, no indoor plumbing uh no running water like nothing so uh but he was like he was just loved it fell in love with the place i was like man i don't want my hippie friends coming out here like ruining this property or whatever <laughs> and he's just talking to the guy that owned it and he's like man he, how did you buy this and the guy's like oh i don't own this i just caretake it for these this real estate development firm um where all the partners retired and they just own these few plots of land all over the state that are just on the market for sale, but it's like 
85 acres in Wilkinson, no one's going to buy this, right? They just, mm-hmm. so the guy lives, he's like, he goes, but I'm moving. If you want to move here, you get to live here for free. You just have to take care of the place, make sure people don't. You need to have people come through. It's up by power lines. People come through hiking or like riding motorcycles and would somehow wind up on this property or hunting or fishing or whatever. So you just take care of it. And my dad was like, I'll take it. So my parents moved there and lived in a tin roof, plywood, probably 200 square foot shack. And then I was born a year and a half later. Whoa. And then I lived in that shack until I was about, I think I was about four. And my dad and his friends literally drug trees that had fallen. They had found on that 85 acres from the woods and built a log cabin. All out of fallen trees. All out of fallen trees. Because they couldn't cut them down. They didn't want to cut them down. Oh, didn't want to cut them down. Okay. No, they didn't want to. No, they didn't want to um, damage the the forest that way. So, yeah, there's so many trees. I mean, 85 acres. They found so many trees. They ended up making three log cabins on a couple different friends. Like, basically... All the friends got together. We're like, we're going to build log cabins for each other. And that's what they did. Wow. They peeled them themselves. Literally, I have, after, yeah, I've got pictures of it from when I was like through a winter. Like, yeah, just them, like, I think it took them a whole, like, six or seven months or something to build the whole thing. Wow. Dude. But, yeah, it's pretty crazy. This is like how people assume I grew up in Alaska. That's what's funny. Right. Is they, yeah. <laughs> you're in Washington. And, yeah. yeah. It I, is. It's like yeah, it's like how my parent my grandparents grew up, you know, in Minnesota. Like Yeah. No electricity, no telephone. They had to I mean my they didn't have running water. There was this, my dad to get water to the house. My dad's kind of it's a very intelligent, kind of genius problem solving guy. Uh but we had a lake, like I said, on that property. It was yeah. about a hundred yards, just down this hill from the house. But the lake was fed by a, a sp- like a natural spring that was just like bubbling up from the ground behind the lake. So it just fed it. So my dad had to get water to the house. Literally took like a two and a half foot round or three foot round PVC pipe, drilled five hundred holes in it or something, mm-hmm. and sunk it into this muddy spring, like just pushed it down inside there, hammered it in and then capped it. So the water eventually would go through these little holes, fill up this piece of PVC. And then on the top of that uh, cap, he ran like just that's, you know, plastic black, black plumbing pipe mm-hmm. all the way around the lake, all the way up to our house. And just the pressure from the spring is what gave us uh, what water pressure we had in the house for the sink, but wow. just cold water. Yeah. 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 And then I went to the toilet and then to get hot water, my dad, we had a uh, this big wood stove. It was actually a coal burning stove that we used for a wood stove in the downstairs in the in the middle of the house. In the heat that heat the whole house, and there was like a grate cut through the floor to upstairs. And as the heat rose above, you know, from the the fireplace, it or from the stove, mm-hmm. it heated upstairs, right? So what we did was he put a a copper coil inside of this stove. Yeah attached to one of the walls and he split the water coming into the house and one part of the water would go into this copper coil and as it got hot it rose up the copper coil and it Mm -hmm. pushed its way up and then in the upstairs of the house he put a big 120 gallon water tank Uh so that warm water would go up and it went to the top of the tank then out of the bottom of the tank he literally attached a hose that he snaked through the floor and it went into the back of our shower head downstairs Wow. And the gravity from it running from upstairs to downstairs is how we got shower pressure. Yeah. Pressure, water pressure for the shower. 
And that's how we had warm water. That's about the only warm, warm water we had in our house, unless you cooked it on the heated it up on the stove, uh-huh. uh, was in, at the in the shower. Dude, I'll tell you this. So I'm a plumber, and so like yeah. this is very interesting to me because it, the things your dad was doing are things that they're doing now, uh, like the coil, right? Like the coil. Yeah. They've been doing that lately called a heat recovery. Um, so they coil the drain from your shower. Um, hmm. Basically, so the drain from your shower, the pipe coming out of that, they'll coil it with copper and send that back, and it basically – it takes the leftover heat from the water going down the drain and helps uh, make the water heater more efficient by oh, sending back partially like warmed water. It. Exactly. And oh, it, it's basically like an assist, which yeah. cuts your energy oh, costs down. Like things your oh, dad was awesome. doing are yeah. things that they're innovating now to sell yeah, people water heaters. He did that in 1982, probably. That's the year I was <laughs> born. Yeah, that's yeah, I was born crazy. in 79, so yeah. That's when I was like, yeah, four, three or four years old, Went right after that log cabin got built. Wow. So this is like, so you knew no different. You knew no different until you said 14. Yeah. We, and I had friends that knew it, you know, like we, I homeschooled, but a lot, that wasn't that weird. I didn't know that my childhood was really that crazy until high school, until we moved to Renton. And I like went to like a big like church. I still, I still homeschooled then, but lots of kids and that I knew in town from church and stuff like that we're homeschooled it's just like i mean when you move out if you're a family and you move out to a town of 400 there's a reason for that you mm-hmm. know like yeah it's like you wanted a little you want a different quieter lifestyle right so lots of people i knew homeschooled but there was an elementary school in town that a lot of my friends went to and i you know there was no no one it wasn't looked at as weird today like, oh like half of my friends go to school and half of my friends homeschool like yeah do you have those two that's just what people do you do one of the two mm-hmm. like that's just a normal thing. And this is, yeah, like I said, in the eighties. So I like, yeah. So yeah, I didn't have, but my friends had, you know, go to stay at a friend's house. They have a telephone and, you know, electricity. And we had electricity at a, at a certain point. My dad got a generator, okay. like a gas generator. So winter time or like late at night sometimes, or if we wanted to watch a TV show, which is just rabbit ears, he would like turn the generator on for a couple hours, you know, like, but that's it. Okay. Like on a Saturday, we were allowed to watch an hour of TV so like two half an hour cartoons. So he'd turn the generator on and if the cartoons aren't back to back, he'd turn it off and wait till the next show. We'd look at the TV, literally look at a TV guide. And go, okay, one is on at 10 and the next, it's GI Joe's on at 10 and then Mask is on at 1230. Mask, so like, okay. yes. Yeah. That was my favorite, dude. Dude, that's where like the boat shoots out of the Jeep and all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The mask. I had those toys. Was, that is so It was like good. a combination of, it was like Transformers and GI Joe's in one show. Yeah. Like, and that's all they so did cool. was take those characters and the toys and repaint them. Yeah. It's totally, genius. Yeah. Have you seen that yeah. show, uh, The Toys That Made Us? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All about that because yeah, that's mask. all. Yes. But, yeah, mask. So, yeah, that's what he would do. He'd be like, all right. Yeah, you get – we thought we were crafty as kids because we'd pick shows that are like an hour apart and we'd hope we'd get to see the cartoon in between the two. And he'd be like, no, 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 no. We're turning the power <laughs> off. I'm not wasting my gas. He never got – he never just let it slide. Just no. sort of like, oh, nope. my God. No, he's because that's I mean it cost you know it cost him money gasoline yeah. for that generator. Yeah, they weren't. I don't I imagine the generators back then weren't very efficient. So. <clears throat> wow, so it, that's crazy. So you could, and this is this is a whole full circle thing. But depending on what happens with this fire, you could go back to that, and oh, you would yeah. know what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> if totally, you had yeah. to, you could go. Yeah, we had a garden. I mean, yeah, babysit like, some I learned land all that and, stuff as a kid. Okay. 
cutting wood. I was chopping firewood since I could pick up an axe, you know? Yeah. Making kindling. Yeah. Wow. You know, stacking wood. I mean, that's how our only heat was wood. So we spent all summer down in the forest finding mm-hmm. trees that had fallen and some like really so much old growth was down there. We we're talking, I mean, I remember my dad finding trees that were six foot around, you know, like taller Jeez. than him. We would spend weeks cutting one of those up and that'd be the firewood for the next year, you uh-huh. know? Uh huh. And then go back there next year, and that tree's still down there, and cut up some more, and yeah. Uh, That's such an awesome way to grow up because you appreciate everything you have, and you you respect nature, and you respect that yes, it can kill you if you're not prepared. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah. You don't just go go home to your you know everything hooked up to your house and be like, oh man, the internet's down. Like. It, it's a whole different ball game. That's yeah. That's a, I, I think you're yeah. lucky for having a childhood like that because yeah, I really, I mean, I, I thought it was pretty great. And, and like I said, I didn't even know it was weird till we moved and I was yeah, going into my first year of junior high and then to rent in. And we lived in a trailer park for like a year and a half after that. Cause my parents were trying to find a place to buy um, and eventually did. And then, yeah, had a bunch of like the only thing was I you know eventually moving from the town I was from that I grew up with everybody moving to a bigger to Renton which is people that's a big suburb of Seattle oh yeah uh, where Bowling is located it's very large um so so then started going to you know my only um contact with other kids was really where my parents eventually found another church we would go to but it was big because the church was 1500 people, you know, three mm-hmm. times the size of the town I was from, yeah. you know, at the church. So I was totally, totally had so I had, I didn't speak to anyone. I was so nervous, so shy moving from that environment to something that was so foreign to me, you know, not going to a public school where you kind of learn these skills, social skills every year of like learning, meeting new people. And, you know, like the kids I knew from birth to I moved, I knew my whole life, you know, like mm-hmm. there wasn't new people. There wasn't like this. And I was so uncomfortable. I didn't speak. I remember going to that church and not speaking to anybody for probably a year. Wow. Yeah. Like a very long time to actually start to get to like, and I knew a couple people, like I played the reason why I went there, I played baseball and my brothers all played baseball. So we played Renton little league and then we had the, uh, you know, some friends that played, they invited us there. So I had a couple friends there, but I was so nervous. Even when I was there, I wouldn't even talk to my friends on the baseball team at the church. <laughs> you know, like I was just like, so just like same with my brother, we would just be so like very, very shy. Uh-huh. Um, so that was, that would have been the negative effect of the, my upbringing, but you know, like it's just a, really a shock, you know? Sure. And then other, other weird things, you know, I never heard of, you know, I'd missed the eighties. So I, like I didn't hear of who the cure was till I was probably 19 years old. Wow. Like the first time I heard a cure song was in that movie Airheads. Uh-huh. When uh <laughs> what is it? Uh Adam Sandler and Brendan Fraser and Yeah. No, not I'm sorry, Airheads. Coneheads, not Airheads. Coneheads. The movie yeah. Coneheads. I can remember it vividly. It's like a scene where they hop into like the teenage girls like Volkswagen Cabriolet and the cure and they play a cure song comes on the radio and then it's like you know, tell me, tell me, tell me how you do that. And I was like, what is this song? Oh my God. I was like, this is amazing. And it was a 15 or 10 year old song. I just never heard of, I never heard of the band. I never heard of them, you know, like, so that was some weird things that I really, yeah. You know, like, like until I was, you know, moved to 1980 
1993 we moved, you know, so 92, 93, something like that. What prompted the move from the property? The, it's, it eventually sold. Oh, it did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then it was time to go. It eventually sold. And my parents were kind of looking, My like I said, my dad was working at, at the airport. My mom worked in, in Renton. Um, my mom's a horseback riding instructor uh, and trainer and stuff like that. So she ran this big stable there and that's where we, they had like this really weird thing. Uh, there it was like this huge compound that had horseback riding in a trailer park and tent sites. It's like this really big, yeah, like RV park, weird place that had a petting zoo for kids and an indoor <laughs> Olympic swimming pool. It was this crazy compound that was like one of the closest RV parks to Seattle uh -huh. that was affordable. So you had a lot of nomadic people come through on vacation and stay there so we lived there for a year and a half so my friends from there were all like kind of nomadic like you'd meet i'd meet new friends like every couple months like well you're a new kid that i live here hey you're just traveling through uh yeah, yeah. so really interesting place but yeah it was weird it was a super weird but cool spot it was called the aqua barn ranch uh super weird ranch. yeah it used to be it started out as a uh, a square dance hall down on the pier i think either in seattle or in tacoma can't remember where but it was actually called the aqua barn because on the water they did square dancing in like the 60s or 70s or something and then the owner bought this big plot of land and had that there and then made like this weird i don't know like this mini little disneyland or something you know like yeah they had a little petting zoo with a train that went through it that kids could ride just for kids you know and uh -huh. my mom ran the horseback riding and they had pony rides for kids and the, it was on it was on probably 30 acres maybe it's a lot and they had big trail rides that actually went off into the woods and like so people would come out there for like you know yeah wow is that, the, is that the park that the guys stayed at when they were living in that that uh racing trailer when they first moved out Oh no, that was a, when they first moved out, they, it was like, that was a KOA, like a campground. Oh, campground. oh, campground. Okay. Yeah. But it would have been something similar. Yeah. Like that, but on like steroids, like horseback riding, like a huge stable that had like 25 horses, and, you know, tons of students, you know, people come there and train or board or keep their horses there. And yeah, just, so my first job was working for my mom. I was like in junior high when we first moved and I was taught kids how to ride. I would teach little kids how to ride horses, you know, <laughs> that was like my, <laughs> that was like my first job. They had a restaurant there. My next job, I worked as a, a server at the restaurant. Then I worked as a janitor at that place. Like, yeah, it was like, uh, really a, a wild, uh, place. It's since been, the land was sold and it's now like literally condos and mm -hmm. on the side of the highway, it's on a main highway coming on a commute outside of Renton into a town called Maple Valley. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it's out that way. That's where my parents were living was the Renton Highlands off Camas Avenue there. And Yeah, so yeah, just literally down the hill from the Highlands mm -hmm. on Maple Valley Highway, that place was, that's where it existed. By the Cedar River Trail? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right okay. down there. Yeah, man, I'm super familiar with that area. I lived there for, I don't know, a year, and then uh, my grandpa lived in that same house before he passed, and so we would come down on vacation and stay in Redmond. And drive oh, yeah. out to my dad's dad's house in Renton, and then my folks ended up moving down to Renton into that house, and oh, wow. uh, they still live. Well, my mom, that my dad passed in September, but my mom still lives there, and and with my brother. And then, uh, so if I go up to Seattle, I you know stay in Renton, and that's where I'm at. Yeah, but, and that's in the Highlands, you said. Yeah, yeah, it's right oh, by nice, yeah. uh, right by McKnight High uh, Middle School. 
Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. That's my brother. Eli lives up there. Okay, yeah. I mean, what, eight blocks from McKnight or something like that? Uh, it's on yeah. Camas Avenue. Um, and, uh, yeah, the view of downtown, well, which is now the landing, and it's just a bunch of stores. And, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but you know what the traffic's doing before you leave the house. That's The, the view's still yeah, nice enough to see you, the yeah. freeway. That's another crazy thing about here right now. The traffic there is, is almost non-existent. Yeah, here too. I took a picture on the freeway at 5.30 the other day, and there was three cars in front of me. Man, I leave That's sometimes <laughs> at rush hour just to drive somewhere, just to feel yeah. that victory in my yeah. heart yeah, totally. all the hours I've spent <laughs> in traffic. It's, it's I can't even. It's shocking to me. Like, I don't know. It'll be so horrifying. It'll be a shock when it goes back, and I'll be like, really? This is what I had to do before? How did I even do this? Yeah. Like it's 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 been that bad here so. oh my god yeah it's it's a that was it was way worse up there than down here and down here was bad but man trying to just get from renton to i-90 uh, oh yeah on its own was just like it, yeah, and that's, that's a terrible drive total insider baseball there but like yeah no that's insider yeah dude, if, you, so, if you're listening you're from the renton area you know that yeah you know that struggle <laughs> dude. 405 man sucks so how did you so going your whole i mean what occupied your besides hard work what occupied your like what was your passion when you were younger was it sports like you said you're playing baseball and stuff like i like playing baseball yeah i mean i really like i didn't i don't think i really didn't get into anything i got into music and in late i was 17 when i first started playing i started playing drums Uh uh-huh like that was my first thing before that I was into sports, the baseball and then basketball. Okay. I started to learn how to play basketball, but still also late, like junior high, like mm-hmm. when we moved, started trying to play a lot, you know, like I grew up in the woods my friends skateboarded. I couldn't skateboard. We didn't have, we didn't have pavement, you know, we had a gravel road and then dirt, you know, like and grass, like we didn't have, yeah. have any way to skateboard, rode my bicycle. I had a, a like bike riding and stuff, but yeah, I, I didn't have them. I think I wanted to be, professional baseball player at some point and then mm-hmm. realized pretty quickly that when i moved to renton how good like, <laughs> much bigger town oh yeah there's kids that are 14 that are already six foot two and can throw 80 miles per hour yeah i'm, I'm not gonna make it in baseball yeah um I, yeah i was pretty sure i didn't have my growth spurt. i had my growth spurt late and eventually it shot up to six foot you know in like yeah. one summer because you see you're um, not short and you're not shy these are two things yeah. that i would not Put it into yes. your yeah, no, no, it took a lot. I mean, it did take a lot, man. I can remember, yeah, just going over that. So, but yeah, then, yeah, I mean, the music, and then, yeah, I liked music and playing it. And then when I went to school for audio engineering, it's like, I just, I liked it. I thought it would be fun and mm-hmm. I enjoyed doing live sounds. So I wanted to do studio work. And then the band with Emery just happened because, um, yeah, just became friends with those guys and Guitar Center. Guitar Center. Were you then, working in the drum, the drum section? I was, yeah, I did. No, that's the thing. I was pro audio. When okay. Matt started working there, though, the, you know, guitar, I don't know, guitar Center is a weird company. Yeah, Lots of turnover is. there. At one point, everyone in the drum department quit. They just walked out. They like stopped working there. And maybe someone else got fired. So there's no one working there. And I was the, basically, was like, I know everything. I play drums. Like, I could, I got this. So I just ran the drum department until they hired someone else, but I was working for audio. So Matt thought I was a drum guy. <laughs> he was uh-huh. like, oh, that drum guy, Josh. I was like, I've, you know, I'm just over here because literally no one else knows anything. They couldn't tell the difference between, a, you know, a, a drum head and a stick, you know, like yeah. they're just like, it's all guitar guys. And so, yeah. And then, yeah, like I said, I just became friends with them and they, I knew they were in a band and they're like, want to record? And I was like, dude, I have a little basement studio. You guys should just come on up, you know? Yeah. So that's what we did. 
Wow. And then, you know, for the first record, I just started going to shows with them and like selling merch. And then went on a little tour and like, yeah, I would do like whatever kind of, I guess, tea tour managing, meaning like I would collect the money from if we've got 50 bucks for a show or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes like that was really all I ever did until we went out to, they went out to record the week's end with Ed Rose. And I just went, I was like, well, I'm just going to go with, you know, they're like, well, Josh, you're like the, you know, they're just like part of the band. I don't play in the band. And then they recorded that and they just were like, on our drive, I remember the night we were driving home, we're laying like all cramped into a hotel room or something like that. And then Matt told me like, Hey, you want to just be our keyboard player? We need someone to play keys. And I was like, all right, I never played keyboard, but sure. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. Yeah. I remember that practicing, watching you practice and, and trying yeah. to figure it out while on tour on like a, yeah. a big old tour. Uh, that's one thing too, that was super interesting about you, Josh is, is, being this is so fascinating hearing all this stuff because i didn't know because you know talking to like like matt like matt is matt speaks very quickly but he's got that southern draw and uh so it kind of puts you at ease a little bit just because it's got that like smooth southern yeah. voice but he'll he'll speak very fast and he repeats himself a lot and he's he's very type a uh yeah. De Devin, toby and joel are very different um, to where, you know, you're talking with them and it's just like, yeah, these good old, good old boys, you know, like when yeah. you're getting to know them, but then speaking to you, I mean, you're extremely intelligent and you're very well-spoken, but you're also very, very witty and sarcastic. It was almost like, like terrifying to talk to you at first because I couldn't tell if you were messing with me or not. Right. Like, yeah. I was I always on edge. Back then. That was just another, I think part of like my, like not have come to learn more about myself i don't really get social cues you know oh it on the was spectrum awesome, a little though. bit on that and i could tell that i i didn't realize that's funny you mentioned that because my friend i don't know if you're the tour but my we did this other tour with this uh, our friend orion who plays that band um uh man i'm gonna butcher ryan's uh band's name and he's going to be so mad at me um <laughs> slow coming day do you remember that band i do yeah yeah so we did one of our first tours was with them but our like we had this old school bus. It broke down. We had to split up, but we toured back me and Joel and Eli, my brother toured back to the West coast with so coming day for their show. So we get a ride home, Joel, Toby and Devin and Matt all went and Seth all went back to South Carolina because mm -hmm. we had to figure out a way to be a band. And that's when we, they bought a van and like the bank, whatever. But so we went out and at the time, so coming day had their friend, Rick, and he was their tour manager and I'm yeah, sarcastic, you know, and never crack a smile and be make fun of him. And he, two weeks into like literally a 10 days into that road trip, I'm with him and he grabs me and goes, dude, I just need to say something up until yesterday, up until today, I thought you were a total asshole. I was like, what? He goes, he's like, I didn't realize that you're sarcastic. And I was like, Yes. He's like, he's like, Oh my God, dude, I'm so sorry. He's like, I just thought you were just rude. I don't know. Like I would kiss. I'm just like, bro. Yeah, exactly. So that's happened to me before where people that I don't, I think it's obvious I'm being very sarcastic and like, you know, yeah, rude to, to just to be stupid and funny. But it's like, yeah, I, I, other people have been like, but he just kind of said, like, I'm, I just did not like you. And then I realized you've been joking this whole time. I was like, yeah. Yeah. So why would I tell you to fuck off after meeting you for an hour? Like that's a joke. Obviously, that's funny. And he's like, "Yeah, it's funny. I get it now." But it's like, I did not think so. Like three days ago, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm an idiot." 
Dude, uh, yeah. that was the best part about it is that if we could make you laugh, like smile and laugh, like you knew you did something really funny because yeah. you were so like not stoic, but you were very animated, but just like very, yep, mm-hmm, yep. Like n- no smiling, no, but it was, it was just in that, like that, you know, that strong voice and you know, everything about you was just like, it was like this, uh, it was totally different than the other guys. Yeah. Like, everyone else was just, just like chill, lay back. And then like. But, oh, yeah, that's Josh. Like, you know, right when we first met you, like, on that tour, like, I think I had met Toby and Matt and Devin first. And then, like, oh, yeah, here's Josh. And, and then they're just, like, they said something, like, try to figure him out or something. Like, and that's the yeah, first conversation. It was just, like, oh, man, this guy is weird. Like, I don't know what to what to make of this. But then, like, you know, after a day or so, it's, like, that's Josh. Like. Yeah. And it was always so fun because you just all these weird scenarios and and hilarious like like weird trivia and different bands and stuff we'd talk about like it was always a blast and and but it was like I had to work to talk yeah. to you and I didn't have to work to talk to the other guys so I appreciated it more well, because I had to work you. for it you know what I mean that's just my social awkwardness yeah exactly that. I had to cut through that <laughs> you know and and. Uh, uh, I still have that's funny I still have that I, I try you know I'm much better now I'm more aware of you know myself in that way but man mm-hmm. it's still a, something I have to be like aware of because it's happened even semi-recently where like I can tell I made a joke that's sarcasm and I realized it did not know I'm like oh shit then I have to like that was <laughs> you know like I was kidding and be like oh okay I was like yeah very weird Man, and that balance, that balance, we make a joke earlier, because that, that balance from riding horses came in handy for standing on the crowds. Yeah, oh, yeah exactly. <laughs> Which you're doing now, a town of 400 people to standing on crowds of people, yes, hair down to your to, to your nipples, just <laughs> screaming at the top of your lungs. Yeah. God. What a weird, what a weird and crazy uh, trajectory. Yeah, it's definitely weird. I'm sure that it's, <clears throat> yeah, that's most people don't believe me when I tell them I'm from a town. I didn't have electricity, and they're just like, they think that's another me being sarcastic. I'm like, no, really. Dude. I didn't. I'm going to cough here. They're going <clears> to <throat> believe it now, dude. And, and like the. Yes, documented. And I did not know this, which is fascinating for me because I'm learning something. <clears throat> yeah. You I know. That's weird that we, it's weird that out of all the bands, I would have talked that about because of where you guys are all from. Yeah, I would have thought like that would have come up, you know. Yeah, yeah, Some maybe it did with John with you guys or John. Sign, you know? John grew up similar. Uh, he just take yeah. a bath in a bucket. <laughs> John maybe knows, maybe known that. Yeah, at some point, maybe not. I don't know. Well, he listens to this so show, long, so he does now. Him, if, but... if he didn't before, <laughs> he's always hitting yeah. me up with uh, listening to this this podcast. So like, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Well, dude, yeah, this is uh, this, I dude, I've had you on, have you on an hour? That's uh, dang, it's already been an hour. I know, it's crazy. Not long enough, my friend. Dude, I know. Well, does Reva have? Did Reva give you a checklist of things to? to oh block? yeah, hold on. <laughs> I didn't know she did that until Toby said. Then Devin had the same one, and I was like, you know what? Because I'm going to put these all out on the same day, and maybe people like Josh fans will listen to the Josh episode and none of the others. So I want to make yeah. sure it all gets on there. Yeah, we have a new album coming out, White Line Fever. Yes, which is amazing, uh, yeah, by the way. I heard it. It's thank awesome. You. Yeah, it, it's I, – I, I really think it's great. Um, I think we've – yeah. And me and Matt's – you know, Matt – everyone spent a lot of time on it, and me and Matt spent a lot of time. We got Bo from Sales to mix it, but I, I spent time 
also mixing all the tracks to kind of get my chops up and think that we've trying to kind of do everything ourselves in the future you know be more self-sufficient when it comes to that end of the end the very end of production you know we're yeah. so controlling of going into a record and then we were just like man we just kind of give it to other people but i think we could we'd be happier in the long run if we just did it ourselves and so that's been a benefit of, <coughs> of me getting back into engineering is that sorry i just literally swallowed something in my throat <coughs> that's what <laughs> <But> yeah, it's for <laughs> been very fun making that and recording it like we did the drums in our studio space here just me matt and dave in a room you know just uh-huh. like doing all that so it's been really really great excited to get those people to hear that whole record i um, mean you know, if you're on so that comes out on the what did i say that comes out oh may 7th that's coming up man that's yeah coming. pre-order uh, and then yeah yeah you should pre-order it you do get 10 percent off of the record you pre-order it i've been told um so hopefully that's true or you can get the whole thing for free if you join emory land if people don't know what that is but that's our little uh listener fan friend supported community that we've started um where we do some twitch streams there's one going on tonight our uh are you listening streamo show sunday mm-hmm. night it'll be matt toby and dev i'm not sure if they have a guest it'll be me and dave will be on there at some point as soon as we get our new practice space set up but uh so yeah we might be doing some streaming of the construction of the new space studio space here in the next couple of weeks and um yeah so that's what we're doing and then yeah like you said with this new this whole pandemic us trying to figure out new ways to monetize you know yeah what we do in our art and like yeah so yeah hopefully it'll be maybe full concerts from you know a different space we me and matt have already been talking about that like do we you know we could fly Devin and Toby have a thing set up get it really well produced and then fly Devin and Toby out for a couple of days and mm-hmm. stream a live show and hopefully that'll pay for them just if it just pays for them to fly in and out and we can also write it work on a couple songs over here and then flying back home like that would maybe be something that would be really worth it for us so we're, yeah. we're trying to sort through all of those scenarios but um well, yeah what's the what's the bar called the bar is called Bad Bar. Bad Bar. And then the venue is called Good Times. Awesome. And what neighborhood is that in? It's, you, it's I, in Lower Lower Queen Anne. Lower Queen Anne. Okay. Perfect. Because yeah. if people listen to this later down the road. Yeah, it's you're right open. next door to Big Mario's, which is a pizza place in Lower Queen Anne. Okay. So I'm sure people are familiar with that. Uh, yeah. So the plan is to be open sometime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This year, would be awesome. now. this year would be awesome. We could open this year. Man, that would be great. Hell yeah. Our original plan was to be open uh, first week of July. So we are, our build out schedule is for that. So we will be finished with construction sometime during the first week of July and ready to open. But whether or not we can open or not is another thing. But, but it's been fun. It's kept me busy. It's like really the only reason I haven't gone crazy in this, in this uh, pandemic is like, just having something to do, even if I just come here for a couple hours during the day, it's like just getting out of the house and having it. And I've been, since I've been in here for the last two months, it's been, it's been really great actually. Awesome. But scary, but yeah. Yeah. But, but having work, a purpose, it's like, yeah, yeah. Having, having the work to do is I love, you know, building. And then it's just been me and my two, two business partners. One of them's a carpenter 
I'm an electrician. Other guys, a pretty good plumber, and we're just <laughs> we can't afford to hire anyone or no one. You can't even hire anyone. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just like well, we have to do it now. So, uh, yeah. All right so on, my uh, friend. It's pretty fun. And then my brother is. I've been helping out. My brother actually owns an electrical company and my other brother's a general contractor. So mm-hmm. they're helping us out with the permitting process and all of those types of things, making sure we're all official Yeah, and not, it's not just winging it. Yeah, so of course. <laughs> you don't want to open and then get shut down immediately because we didn't do so. We didn't do the right paperwork or hire the right, whatever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's a learning curve for us too. learning what you have, what you can and cannot do as a business owner. And so what things you have to hire for it's really interesting dude there's so much it's insane you're gonna learn learn so much from this too and it's that's the yeah. another another plus now that i know now that i know i know a, a really good plumber i'll be hitting you up more often hell yeah man you got questions and stuff hit me up anytime Always. i will say one thing about plumbing that is a revelation pex are you guys kidding me pex that stuff's amazing yeah well are you using the cheap shit from home depot or using the stuff you have to go to a plumbing supply place with an expansion tool like that has little plastic rings there's there's a yes there's some type of tool like a very expensive tool yes about a thousand dollars yeah i think yeah excellent yes then it's awesome the stuff from home depot that you put that little metal crimp ring on is garbage yeah but the yeah yeah, they've been developing that for a long time and it is i mean i remember last time i did plumbing i was using you know blue the glue the Uh blue glue and twisting it in and and then our brian our brian my other partner is like dude we have the stuff you just snap. i was like you just snap that together and there's no leaks he's like yeah it's crazy it's and i'm like i never heard of it yep. <laughs> I was like, he's like it's been around for like a few years i'm like oh yeah that's amazing don't say that in chicago because they're very traditional and they don't use it they still use copper for all their water pipe even though pex oh, is yeah. real in there but um yeah, yeah west coast i mean we're doing this whole hotel in it everything like it's it's awesome it seems so nice. And then, yeah, the pipes are also color coordinated. Uh-huh. That seems like that's useful. Yep. Uh, and you can me, get them with like, sleeves on them so you can put them in the slab if you want. And yeah, it protects them. You can pull them through. It's crazy, it, dude. Yeah, yeah I mean, crazy. I can, yeah, I'm like able to do it. Like I can make a joint, you know, like a T joint. And like, yeah. for our, I was like, oh, I can do that. Just push it in. Yeah. Okay, done. Exactly. Exactly. So if you have cool. the tool, you're, you're on the way. Yeah, There's exactly. a hand expander too, but it's hard. Hard yeah, to dude, use. But. Yeah, I was really like, dang, electrical still the same. I'm still twisting <laughs> wire nuts with my bare hands. Yeah. Still getting electrocuted. It's <laughs> annoying. God. Oh, my God. Well, dude. Thank you so much for the time, yeah, Josh, and, and for coming on. And I'm so I'm so happy the new record's coming out, and it's awesome. And I'm so glad to get to chat with you for, you know, an hour and and uh, and learn some things about you I didn't know before. But uh, definitely hit yes, me up friend. with anything, man, and and uh, yeah. I'll be glad to help sure. or, or lend a hand, whatever. You know, I'm just down in Portland, so yeah, not too far away. Well, well and this is all over, and if you're up here visiting again, you got to let me know. Oh, I will. Absolutely. We'll get together. Yeah, yeah, man. We'll go bother. You know, Matt and Dave are up here too. So we'll. I didn't know Dave's up there, but I knew Matt yeah, was up there. Yeah, he's been here for about a year. That's probably almost been a year and a half. Oh, good Lord. Okay. They live in Shoreline. Yeah. Right they, on. They moved out of Indy. He works, he works at the company where we rent our, where we rented our previous little practice space called Belize. Uh huh. And you know, John Dunn, right? Yeah. Okay. That's, he works with John. Okay. At that company. Okay. So John's one of the, uh, um, he's been working there forever and I think is a part owner now. Um, but yeah, it's called Belief Agency. They're like an ad, marketing, like really, really put out really great, amazing work and stuff. So Dave does their uh, um, SEO, 
you know. Yeah, the search engine op optimization shit. Yeah, exactly. He's like their guy there doing that. So okay, uh, well, I'm gonna be so talking yeah, to both of them job, this coming like, week. So yeah, I moved his whole family out. So yeah, nice. Right on. Yeah, we'll have to all yeah, get together. Yeah, it'll be dude. Yeah, I haven't. Like I said, I don't. They got kids, so I don't. I need an. Ex, it's like that's hard for the three of us to get together outside of practice when we do that. You know? Yeah. So it'd be nice to have a another excuse to like do something. But you know, when Matt's got three kids and Dave's got five, so yeah, I have three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. So I'm the one who's like, if anything's anyone, you know, I'm the one who's traveling. I'm not making Dave or Matt pack up their kids and like, yeah, come visit me. Yeah. My house. Yeah. We'll I'll go to Matt's house or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, right on, buddy. Well, I'll let you get back to building out that bar. Good luck with yep. that. And, and uh, dude, I hope this all ends soon and, and everything gets yeah, back on too. track. I mean, I'm I'm working, so I'm, I'm kind of lucky in that. But I, I really feel for, for what you guys are going through. And, and you know, um, check out the Music Cares thing, too. Music Cares, there's an application I think you can put in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're great. When this I, and I, ends or whatever. I will do that eventually, probably. You know, but right now, you know, unemployment's working. I've got this. Good. And, you know, like I, I'm not in a bad spot. So yeah, like I, you know, and no kids. Yeah. So, yeah, no, yeah. Like I said, I, I'm in a good, I'm really, am in a good situation. Like I, I've lived in this, I've had, I've got a good rent situation, good landlord. Like, um, like I'm, I'm not really worried about my, like for now, you know, maybe in six months it'll be like, okay, I got to figure something out, but yeah. at least for now, like I'm in a good spot. So it's been really, uh, uh, yeah, great and fine. And like, so, but yeah, the music cares is, I, I like, uh, they're amazing. If anyone doesn't know about them, such an amazing organization that really does help out mm -hmm. musicians and producers. Like I, yeah, they, they helped me out a couple of years ago. I, I broke my hand, um, in a bunch of places and needed a $5,000 surgery. And, uh, they, uh, I got approved. They are going to pay for all of it. Um, but they didn't end up having to because of Washington state has other really good social services for that and ended up being a candidate for a, like a teaching session to where my, I think my hand surgery is like filmed. Oh, um, wow. A really renowned hand doctor. So I got, ended up getting like a, it's like a 10 or $15,000 surgery. It cost ended up, I think I paid like $700 out of pocket, which was just for the cast I had to pay for afterwards. Yeah. That's amazing. But music care was going to cover the whole thing. Wow. Like just because I work in the music industry and I don't have, uh, the right and in, uh, enough insurance to cover that. That's a yeah. specialized surgery. That's not covered under almost any sure. insurance. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, at least, at least ones with the duct, the deductibles that I have, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, but yeah, they're great. So right yeah, I try to that. support them and donate to them when I can. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's, it's one of those charities that actually does, you don't have to really be questioning about where the money goes. They really actually do help people. That's um, fantastic. I know quite a few, a couple of people here in Seattle that have been helped out from them. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, hospital bills and all kinds of stuff taken care of. So amazing. All right, brother. Well, yeah, my friend. Well, awesome. Well, I'll be in touch. And like I said, reach out. You got questions on anything or, or hit me up. And, and if I don't know the answer, I can find it, you know. And uh, all right. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate that. Okay, buddy. All right. Bye, man. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that crazy conversation with Josh Head from Emory. What a fascinating guy. He is one of the nicest people ever, and now you know all the things I know and didn't know before. So uh, crazy interesting story. Uh, yeah, if you guys love Emery, you know Josh. He is the wild man that's climbing across the crowd, standing on the crowd, flipping keyboards in the air, just a wild man. 
So uh, definitely, when Emery's back touring, go check them out. If you haven't, check out their new record, White Line Fever. And uh, big shout-out again to Reva for setting this up. I hope when you're hearing this, maybe this is the first one you listen to. Maybe it's the second. But hopefully you listen to all three episodes today or this week uh, with uh, Toby, Josh, and Devin from Emory. We'll have Dave on soon, and Matt has already been on, but we'll have him on again because uh, I like to talk to Matt. But, uh, yeah, guys, thank you so much for sticking around, for supporting the show week after week. I really appreciate having you guys back. Uh, check out peerpleasurepodcast.com for all the information. Hit me up at peerpleasurepod uh, at gmail.com if you got any questions, comments, guest ideas, or anything else. Uh, check out the Patreon. Check out the sponsors. And, uh, yeah, three episodes in one day. I'm going to keep this one short. So, as always, guys, we'll see you on the radio. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs>